Hi, and welcome to the podcast Discussing Disability, hosted by Arkansas Support Network. I'm Sayard Evans. I'm the CEO of Arkansas Support Network, and we are a statewide home and community-based disability service provider serving the entire state of Arkansas. And in the work that we do every day, we come across lots of conversations around disability and lots of conversations around life and the intersection of those two things. So we're here to speak with guests from all across the organization and learn about issues impacting disability, impacting human beings, and impacting the world around us. We're glad you're here, and we're excited about these conversations to come. Today, we are in January 2022, and I am joined uh, by a good friend of mine, Casey Hodges. Casey is going to be sharing with us her life's journey today, and she's going to be telling us quite a bit about experiences that she's had and roles that she's held, opportunities in front of her, and we'll learn a lot about those things as we talk. But before we get started, I just want to make sure that we're clear with our listening audience about our setup here today. Casey is using some augmentative communication technology. And uh, Casey, if you would give us a little bit of description about the setup that you're using to communicate here today. I am using a speech generating app on my iPad called Lamp Words for Life by the Prent Karomic Company. The iPad is mounted on my wheelchair. Awesome. Thanks for that. And your wheelchair joystick is serving as your Bluetooth mouth, which I think is probably the coolest thing I've seen uh, in a while. And so I'm pretty excited about that. All right. So enough about the tech and the setup and how we're communicating. Tell us about yourself and give us a little bit of background into Casey Hodges. I was born and raised in Springdale with my brother, Jeffrey. I graduated from high school in 2009 and went to Hendricks to study psychology. I was under the impression that being a forensic psychologist like on the show Criminal Minds would be interesting and that I would be good at it. After a year and a half, reality set in, and, ironically, I switched my degree path to theater arts. It might not have been practical, but I was happier pursuing my passion for art, and I also found a sense of community. The fall following my graduation in 2014, I was recruited by ASN to be the wellness program coordinator. I spent a year co-teaching an acting class for the people we serve and building the community garden. Following that, time was spent volunteering for a local theater company, mostly doing administrative duties. Wanting an artistic career that had the potential to give me a steady income. I decided to enroll in a graphic design certificate program in 2017. I fell in love with the field, working with several independent professionals and small businesses, and started one of my own. Since graduating in 2019, I have been featured in two art galleries, two publications, and two video interviews. In my spare time, I serve as a member of the Arkansas Governor's Council on Developmental Disabilities. I am also a huge nerd. I read graphic novels, watch science fiction and fantasy movies and shows, and play many types of games. What probably surprises people the most is that I have 13 tattoos. 13, wow. There's a lot to dig into and, and a lot of uh, fascinating things in your past, but I also being a tattoo enthusiast myself, um, although I'm way behind, I'm not nearly as close to your 13. I'm really interested in that. Can you tell me a little bit more about your tattoos and the specific significance of them? 
Most of my tattoos represent my love of theater and music, including many different lyrics and a marionette walking on piano key stairs. I sometimes feel like a marionette because I need help walking. I also have two tattoos dedicated to friends. My favorite might be my phoenix because I resurrect every day into someone new and hopefully better. So the name of the podcast that we're on today and, and hosting at ASN is Discussing Disability. So if you would, tell us about how disability is a part of your life and how it's impacted your life. So I have cerebral palsy due to complications at birth, and I would be lying if I said that it didn't affect every aspect of my life. I can't walk, talk, feed myself etc. I need a lot of support completing daily tasks as well as fulfilling dreams. That being said, I have made peace with it because I know if I didn't have a disability, I probably would not have met most of the people I now know and love, had the opportunity to help a specific group of people, or had the same appreciation for life. That's a pretty cool perspective. And I definitely appreciate the lens that you see this conversation through. So at Arkansas Support Network, we provide a lot of different services and programs and have for uh, a really long time. We were founded in 1988 and have grown and expanded our services kind of based on the needs of people that are wanting to live in the community, live as independently as possible, and really be active contributing members of their community. And so you kind of have this unique journey in that you have uh, been involved with many of those service programs, including our Family Support Program, Kids Club, Supported Living, Personal Care, Recreation, Vocational Services. Uh, can you tell us about the different supports you've received at ASN and give us some insight into how they've helped you? I have had the opportunity to receive services from a very young age. The family support program was invaluable to my family when I first came to ASN. Without their guidance and assistance, it would have proven difficult for me to navigate school and financial assistance to get items I needed for my care. I also began receiving supportive living services, which meant having support staff come to my house after school to be with me so my mom could get errands run care for my brother, and attend to our household needs. As a teenager, I was involved in kids club for two summers. That allowed me to go swimming, go to the gentry zoo, go to the mall, and hang out with people I wouldn't get to otherwise. It was nice not having to sit around the house and entertain myself. Jumping to college, supported living really made an impact here because I was two and a half hours away from my family and friends. I could not have moved or survived five years by myself without having a team of people supporting me through it all, and there were definitely some rough times. For the past couple of years, I have been working with vocational services to search and apply for jobs that would best utilize my talents, and now that I got this role, they're helping me manage all the responsibilities that come with it, on and off the clock. All right, so this new role... Uh, that you you mention, uh, you are the new director of ethics and mission integration here at ASN. Um, it's a new role for us, a new position, and one that I'm really excited about. You know, as we approach serving people and providing the supports that people need and want to to live a meaningful life and be an active member of their community, one of the things that we're always striving to do 
is to make sure that we're letting the the voices of the people that we support really drive our decision making. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways to approach that. Uh, there are a lot of organizations that have advisory committees or, or really kind of lean on volunteer roles, people they we, we ask sometimes, I think, for labor, free labor from the people that we're serving, for them to do the work of telling us how we should do our work. And so at ASN, we, we've made the decision and we really want to commit to, you know, as a, a senior leadership position, a director level position at the organization, that we have someone on staff that's really responsible for making sure that we're connecting to those voices um, and so I, I would love for you to take some time and tell us a little bit more about this new position that you have. As the new Ethics and Mission Integration Director, I am responsible for making sure that how we are supporting individuals aligns with our mission, vision, and values. That means giving them multiple outlets to voice their experiences and expectations or desires. It also requires me to learn about staff's duties and responsibilities, assess them, and do performance audits. I have to do this with an open mind so I can accurately see our strengths and where we can improve. Along the way, I will be developing and implementing training so that everyone is on the same page. Although I've been with ASN for many years, I'm learning more about how our organization operates on the other side of support services. That's really, really exciting. You know, I've, I've been at ASN a long time myself. Um, and I've held lots of different roles here. And what I know is that it's such a, a major uh, undertaking and there are so many moving parts and uh, it really takes a lot of work to dig in and see and understand the, the gravity and the scope of ASN. We're a huge organization. Uh, we provide direct services to, to close to 450 people each year across the state. We provide indirect services at, in the form of education, advocacy, training, uh, in total to more than 3,000 people every year. And we currently employ about 850 people. We also need to employ about 200 more than that. And so, yeah, there's a lot. And for me, one of my biggest concerns always is that, you know, we want to make sure that the mission is infused in every aspect of what we do. And that's extremely hard when you're working with an agency that's that large. Um, we want our values to be the values of every person that's working for us and leading that. And I'm excited about this new position and really helping us be able to anchor those values in all aspects of the agency. I'm also curious, what are you most excited about in this new position? I am excited to be able to share the support knowledge, and strength I have gained over the past 30 years with my fellow staff members and service receivers. I look forward to helping drive change and improvements within services for those we support. That makes me excited to hear. Um, on the flip side of that, it's a big undertaking. It's a brand new role. There's not really a roadmap necessarily to follow because nobody's ever done it before, um, at least not here. So uh, what are you concerned about in this new position? I'm most concerned about recruiting, training, and retaining DSPs. We have such a low intake rate and high turnover rate, and it's taking a toll on the people we support. Part of it is COVID, part of it is competitive pay. There are many reasons. But I believe the key to getting and keeping good people is appealing to their hearts, educating them, and providing them with support. 
they need to know that they play a huge role in the lives of those they assist and that it's appreciated. Yeah, uh, that is definitely one of my major concerns about the work that we do every single day. Um, and I appreciate that perspective. I spend a lot of time ranting and raving and harping on the fact that direct support professionals in home and community-based services are required to perform a professional level job. They show up every day and they have this complex list of duties that that they have to meet. And um, it requires a complex skill set that they have to learn and develop over time. That's the reality of the work. It is a professional level career, but that work is funded at entry level wages. The reimbursement rates um, are extremely low. They're entry level. We're competing with you know, basic low skill, quote unquote, I don't think any job is low skill, but it's jobs that are categorized as low skill, uh, we wind up competing for for applicants and employees with entry level positions across the spectrum. And we just can't be competitive The the work is more complex than entry level work, but we're we're offering entry level wages. And so that creates a huge issue for us in my seat and in my responsibilities at the agency. I spend a lot of time focused on that fact and really working, you know, with advocacy organizations on the state and national level to try to push those reimbursement rates, to try to push for a living wage for direct support professionals and trying to push for career path and career development. But I really like your perspective in focusing on the appeal to the value of the work, too. I think that that's an important piece of it. I started working at ASN as a direct support professional when I was 19 years old, and it's the greatest job I've ever had. It's certainly better than the one I have today, but it is the most rewarding, um, exciting work that you can do, and and when you you have the ability to really show up and work through the daily challenges that people face and help folks achieve those goals that they have, there's nothing better, really nothing better. And so I appreciate your emphasis on the fact that, you know, that's part of the puzzle too, that that workforce issue is my concern, your concern, all of our concern, but being able to make sure that we're doing the storytelling and the messaging and we're helping people connect to the rewards of this work is an important part of, of kind of tackling that, that issue and that problem. So I definitely appreciate that. So how are you going to judge whether or not you're successful in this role? What does that look like? What does success look like for you? My success will come when people receiving services feel open and free to communicate their wants and needs, and those requests are then listened to and acted upon as a result. I want them to lead the most fulfilled lives possible. I like that. And I would also add, for me, I I think your success comes when folks are empowered to communicate. But the flip side of that, that those of us providing services are really conditioned to to gauge our success by the satisfaction of the people that we're supporting. I think all too often the structure of the work that we do, for those of us that do this work, we're taught that we're doing a good job when people are clean and safe and secured. And that's not necessarily always what people want for their lives. That's not what I want for my life. That's what I'm assuming most people are disinterested in. Um, And so my hope for your position is that we're really able 
to have that cultural shift that's necessary so that every person that shows up here to provide supports and do this work is doing that in a way where they feel like they're doing the right thing when the person that they support is pleased and happy with what they're doing, first and foremost, that that's our priority. Um, I think it's really important. So that kind of speaks to my philosophy in general. I'm of the belief that disability services and supports should look way less like clinical services and way more like mutual aid and community care. Not everybody agrees with me, and I'm always happy to argue with them about it. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the structure of disability services and how we should be approaching this work? It's kind of hard to describe the relationship between support staff and individuals. Yes, the staff have the responsibility of taking care of the person's health and safety. But it is a disservice to say that the person is just a client, just a customer, or just a consumer. If we're doing the job right, this should be a close and trusted relationship. Let's take me as an example. I have staff around me 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Right now, my staff consists of 4 people, 2 of which are family members. I would go nuts if those relationships were strictly professional. I have to be comfortable to be my full self with them, to have fun, to share my thoughts and feelings, etc. And I think it's important to the people supporting me as well. No person wants to spend significant time with someone else acting like a robot or walking on eggshells because they can't be who they are. Of course, boundaries have to be set too, which might be the most difficult part. Yeah, but I think that's the most difficult part in every relationship, right? I appreciate just the fact that that, for me, what I hear you talking about is how to be in a relationship with people, that it is a, you know, it's a paid relationship, it's a a professional relationship, but it's also a relationship. And if you're not willing to really engage in the work of nurturing and developing that relationship, then it's, it potentially will suck, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, boundaries are important in that. Boundaries are important in all of our relationships. Um, I'm curious, you know, you, you talk about a lot of amazing things that you've been a part of and accomplished and things that you've, you've been able to do. Are there supports that you feel like you haven't had that would have been beneficial to you up to this point? I would definitely appreciate some technology to make me safer and more independent. So much is out there nowadays. But what comes to mind right now is a video doorbell so I could see who's visiting without letting them in, an automatic medication dispenser so I could always take it on time and have an accurate count, and an eye gaze system so I could communicate quicker. That would be great. And that's an area and initiative that ASN is really committed to innovating around and, and building out and developing here in Arkansas. And actually our February podcast, we'll have some folks joining us and we'll be tackling the topic of enabling technology. So uh, nice little commercial there. I I'm, I'm appreciate the plug for next month's episode, but definitely there when we talk about independence, when we talk about quality of life, when we talk about really empowering people, there are services and tools that are available today that just continue to develop and get better every day that if we want to do this work in line with the philosophy and values that we have, we've got to make sure that we're, we're moving in that direction and that we're relying on technology 
to really support people to live as independently as possible, but also to live the greatest quality of life possible. So what are some supports and opportunities that you feel like you have had that maybe other people haven't had access to that have been really beneficial for you? I was fortunate enough to have supportive and informed parents who always believed in my potential. My mom's my personal hero. She pursued every chance she was given to learn about the disability world, including earning several degrees in special education, because of me and my brother. That has assisted us in navigating school experiences, knowing when and how to seek out accommodations for any situation, and speaking up for ourselves and others. I know ASNS drives to help parents be advocates and guides for their children. Yeah, that's great. I, I think we hear from a lot of people that those early supports and early advocacy are so essential that they, you know, there are lots of folks that I meet later in life that the system and the world around them have told them all their lives what they can't do and what they're not capable of. And so that's been the messaging, right? Can't, won't, uh, limits. That's been the focus of their lives because they didn't have access to that advocacy and that education early on that required them and everybody around them to see the possibilities and to see you know, yeah, maybe I can't do this, but I can do this. And with the right support, I can even do this. And so that frame early on in life is is really vital. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, ASN was founded as a family support provider, a family support organization. And it's a program we continue to operate to this day. It's a program we will continue to operate uh, for the existence of the organization because it's really the core of the message where we we can show up in people's lives and meet them early on and say, hey, there are obviously things you can't do. You know that we're really interested in having the conversation about what you can do and what needs to happen, what supports you need to access in order for you to be able to get there. So it, it is it is a vital experience. Um, for lots of folks, and I'm I'm certainly thrilled to hear that's been such an important part of your life and and what you've been able to accomplish. So, when we look at this big picture from your new role as the Ethics and Mission Integration Director, and and as you've begun the work of really dissecting and digging in and peeling back the layers, you know it's early. I'm not going to hold you to this as like the final answer because there's a lot to explore and a lot to learn, but. You know, today, what are your thoughts on how do we create better ways to ensure we are supporting people the way we want to and not just supporting people the way we think they need to be supported? By asking questions, listening, giving choices, letting them take risks and learn if they fail, celebrating their successes, commiserating in their losses, picking them back up. And I can pretty much guarantee that they'll do the same for you. That has certainly been my experience. Casey, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I appreciate you so much for jumping into our new podcast, being our first podcast guest. I appreciate you even more for being willing to take on the responsibilities of our ethics and mission integration director. And I'm super excited about the future and what we're able to accomplish in your new role with your leadership and your guidance. Uh, before we sign off, I just want to double check. Is there anything, any additional 
comments you'd like to add? I am looking forward to seeing how we mix things up. That's why I like you. That is why I like you. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Discussing Disability hosted by Arkansas Support Network. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode.